Great day to be here. We're starting a brand new series today called Red Light, Green Light. And as Pastor Matt said, it's kind of based on, at least the theory behind it is based on that game that you might have played when you were in elementary school. Anyone play the Red Light, Green Light game? Raise your hand. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, someone's playing it over here. Uh, Red Light, Green Light, if you don't know, because there are a few hands that weren't raised, it's a little game that you play when you're, when you're smaller with a group of your friends. And the fun part is one of your friends gets to be the light signal. They get to be the person that says red light or green light. And typically they go to one end of a room. And then all of the other kids go to the other side of the room. And the goal of the game is for one of the people in the group to make it over to the person who is the red light, green light. But the person who's the red light, green light, they get to control the game. So the way it works is if I'm over here and I'm, I am the traffic signal, I get to say to the crowd, are you ready? Here we go. Uh, green light. And then I turn my back to them. They start running towards me, again, trying to, trying to reach me so that they can be the traffic light. But then when I'm ready, I turn around and I say red light. When I turn around and say red light, the goal is if you're moving, you have to stop immediately. You can't continue to go forward when I say red light. If you do continue to move, flinch, take a baby step, running so fast you can't stop yourself, whatever, then I see you, I get to send you all the way back to the wall or to the other side of the room so that you have to begin all over again. And again, hopefully through the end of that process, someone has reached the traffic light and they get to be the traffic light next. The challenge is, of course, if you're the person who doesn't stop, you get sent all the way back to the other side of the room to rest against the wall and to start all over. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit about making sure that you stop when you need to stop so that your life isn't sidetracked, so that in effect you don't have to go back to the beginning. Because the reality is, if you're like me, you've lived long enough to realize that some things in life that you do are things that you probably shouldn't be doing. Or at least in a perfect world, they're things that you might be doing that maybe you could be doing other things in their place that wouldn't cause you as much stress or as much pain in your life. And so it's a couple week series, but today we're going to talk about the red light side of things. We're going to talk about the things in your life that you might want to consider stopping. Now, this is a good message, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, but there might be a different context if you're following Jesus versus if you're just someone who is here for another reason. Maybe you're here with a friend or you just want, kind of wanted to see what all the big green lighting was about on the highway or something like that. Whichever side of the coin you're on today, I'm going to give you a challenge today to consider stopping doing in something in your life so that you can begin to get some traction towards the goals that you have in your life. Or maybe if you're a Jesus follower, you'll begin to get some traction towards the plan that God has for your life. So this week was my 40th birthday. I got to celebrate it. I think it was on Tuesday or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone over 40 in the room, you know what a big birthday that was. So I had big plans. It was going to be spectacular. I was going to, you know, share some love with the family and go out and have a spectacular meal. And everyone was going to call me and tell me what a great person I am. And so I woke up early that morning to the sound of my little nine-year-old Preston throwing up. He caught the flu that night, so it was just my luck. So the very first thing I got to do on my birthday was vacuum up some vomit, which was great, exactly how I'd planned for 39 years to celebrate my 40th birthday. And then an hour later, my dog threw up. I'm not sure of the correlation, but really, it was a horrible, horrible day. 
uh, in my life. But as I sat in my room, locked away because I wanted to make sure I didn't get the flu, I knew I was going to have to speak, so the last thing I needed was the flu. Um, it gave me a lot of time to, talk, uh, to think about this message, but also just to reflect on my life since I had turned 40 that day. And it became clear to me that uh, I don't know how many years I have left. At 40, there's a good chance, given my family's history, I might be more than halfway finished, which was, you know, it stinks to think that way. Uh, but I started thinking about had I lived life the way I wanted to, and as I often do, I think about what it's going to be like when I get to the end of my life, whenever that day might be, and am I heading down the path so that when I get there on that dreadful day, I can look back, or at least the people standing there can look back and say, his life mattered. He did something significant. He didn't just waste his time and live life for himself. He lived beyond himself and made a difference in at least some other people's lives. I don't think that is a hope that just I have. I don't think it's a hope that just Christians have. I think it's a hope that everyone has. I don't think many people in the world, unless you're just extremely egocentric and selfish, are going through life thinking, I want to get all I can just for me. I think we all want to, at the end of our days, look back and feel like we did something significant. And so the reason for this message series is to challenge you to begin doing some things. We'll talk about that next week, green light. Or to begin stop doing other things. We'll talk about that today, red light. That might be keeping you from living the life that you want to live or again, that God wants you to live. So in the Bible, in Hebrews, there's a verse that's really going to be the verse we're going to focus on for this week and for next week, and it's in Hebrews chapter 12. It'll be up on the side screens, and here's what it says. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. As I sat in my room wishing that no one in my house had the flu a few days ago, I started thinking about how my life is a story. I actually literally spent some time looking through my kids' baby books and just kind of reflecting back on life and how great it's been. We have three kids now. They, if you know, if you have kids, they're the highlight of, of your life. But my life really is a story, and your life's a story. But even though I was reflecting on how many years I have left and probably feeling a little self-pity about that, I got a little glimmer of hope that I want to share with you that I think can give you hope whether you are sitting in the room and you're 16 years old or you're sitting in the room and you're 98 years old. If you're alive today, the reality is your story's not finished yet. There are still, still chapters to be written. And the decisions that you make today really do influence what the next chapter of your life will look like made me pretty happy because I realized there are still some things that I can do to write a better story than I've already written. Your future is not written yet. It can be bigger and better and greater and more meaningful than you ever imagined that it could be. But the decisions that you make really do determine your future. Andy Stanley, a guy who pastors a church in Atlanta, has a little saying that we actually talk about a lot in this church, and he says it this way, similar thought. 
What he says is your direction, not your intentions, determine your destination. As an illustration, his point is this, and the point I want you to catch today. If I want to walk towards my uh, iPad stand, I can want that as much as I want. I can desire it. I can hope for it. I can dream about having that iPad in my hand and playing all the great games that you get to play on an iPad. But thinking about it, hoping about it, wishing I had it really doesn't do anything for me until I turn my direction towards the iPad and I start walking towards the iPad so that I can grab hold of the iPad. That reality is just true in life. The Bible talks about it a lot, not so much iPads, but the reality that the direction you're taking really does determine your destination. And so today I want to challenge you to fix your eyes on Jesus, if you're a Jesus follower, so that you can be headed in the right direction, so that the next chapters in the story of your life can be written the way that God wants them to be written. And we're going to start with the stop before we do the start, because the reality is for a lot of us, before you can start doing the right things, you have to stop doing the wrong thing. And so one of the things I think will help you in this is I'm challenging today to consider what you need to stop doing. At the end of the message, that's my goal, to have in your mind something you might want to consider stopping doing. One of the things that might help with that is a little practice that I don't think we do enough. At least I know I don't do it enough. For me, if I will take time in my life to play my decisions forward, when I make a decision to think about what the impact will be in the future, usually has ramifications about the decisions that I decide to make. So as a silly illustration, uh, something that really happened in my life when I was younger, I was eight or nine or 10 years old. We had a neighbor in our neighborhood who got a boat. This is the first boat in the neighborhood. First person I knew who had a boat. It happened to be my best friend in the world. Her name was Melanie. She was a tomboy. We did a lot of stuff together. She could ride bikes and everything better than me. I never liked uh, tomboys. They're a little weird, but they can do a lot of good stuff. Anyhow, we were friends. Her parents get a boat, and so her dad says, hey, we're going to take you, uh, Greg, and some of the friends in the neighborhood, some of the little kids, we're going to go out on the boat and ride some inner tubes, which is a blast if you've never ridden an inner tube behind the boat. It's spectacular, and what's great about it is you don't have to have a lot of skill or upper body strength. You just basically hold on for dear life and hope that you don't fall off. The great thing about it is if you do, you're in the water, you're probably going to be fine because you're wearing a life jacket. Well, the day went spectacular. I rode the inner tube. It made me determine that I needed a boat sometime in my future when I grew up. But at the end of the day, Melanie's dad thought it would be cool if all the kids got one last chance to be in the water, which I was a fan of, and if we all kind of held on to the rope and he just towed us back to the dock. It seems like a good plan. We all get to get wet one last time. So I decided uh, I would pick up the the, the rear. I'd pick up the anchor side of that. So I got all the way back at the end of the rope. All the little kids got near the front side of the rope. And they all did what you should have done, which is grab the rope kind of like this, just loosely, you know, onto the rope, knowing that when Melanie's dad put the gas down on the boat, they would start going and they'd be pulled along with it. Hopefully things would go well. But if it didn't go well, they could let go which would be a smart thing to do, and they could wait for the boat to come back around and pick them up. I didn't do that. Instead, what I did is I took the rope and I wrapped it up around my hands because 
I wanted to be the one who stayed on the longest. I wanted to get the best ride. I wanted to get the full impact of the day. So I wrapped the rope all up around in my hand here, put a little bit on my arm as well. So I was locked in and ready to go. So he hits the gas, takes off. Within seconds, everyone else has let go of the rope because we were all drowning. It was taking us straight underneath the water. None of us know how to barefoot ski, obviously. But I couldn't let go. I was all wrapped up in the rope. I was, I, literally, I think I was drowning. For the first time in my life, my life flashed before my eyes. It was a horrible, horrible decision to do the rapture. My arm was being ripped off. I think I still have scars from it. It was, it was a bad decision. All that to say this, had I played forward in my mind, the ramifications of the decision I made to wrap that rope around my arms probably wouldn't have made that decision in the first place. I think that kind of lack of thought happens in your life. I think it happens in the life of the people that you know. We don't spend enough time playing our decisions forward so that we can think through the ramifications. And I think if we did, there would be some things that we're doing in life that we would probably stop doing because we know the long-term ramifications of those things would be negative. So I want to challenge you today to begin playing some decisions forward in your life. So I'm going to give you just a few ideas as you begin to ponder some things that you might want to consider stopping. So maybe it is that you are the kind of person who really loves your job. I love my job. Uh, you love it so much, though, that you spend a lot of time doing it. And you not only spend a lot of time doing it, you probably spend too much time doing it. And if you're married or have kids, maybe you spend more time worrying about, thinking about, and doing your job than you do spending time worrying about, thinking about, and spending time with your spouse or with your kids. I want to challenge you today to consider playing that forward and consider the ramifications of what that might mean in your life down the road. Maybe uh, another example, you're like me and you eat just crap. You just don't eat healthy. You know, my favorite thing in the world to eat, this is no lie, it's not steak or pizza or something that you write down on your little list when people ask you what your favorite food is. Mine is the giant size oatmeal cream pie. I love that thing. I think it's my sole purpose in life is to make sure that that does not go out of business like Hostess did because I couldn't live without it. But let's play that silly decision forward. If, like me, you keep eating unhealthy things, there are some ramifications in the future about that concerning your health, quite possibly even how long you're going to live. Maybe you need to think through the ramifications of your temper. I've been around some people, and I've been guilty myself early on in my marriage, of just really getting way too angry at little things in life, especially as it relates to my spouse. A lot of people can relate with that, I think. But play that forward just a little bit. If I have anger issues or problems controlling my temper, what could the future ramifications of that be with my spouse or with my kids or on my job if I can't exercise a little bit of self-control. Maybe you have problems procrastinating, play it forward. Maybe you have problems with how much you drink alcohol, play it forward. Maybe you have challenges with how much or what you smoke, play it forward. The decisions you make today really do write the future chapters of your story. And I think that most of us, especially those who are following Jesus, want to, like I said at the beginning, get to the end of our lives and have a story that was worth living, 
have a story that was impactful, have a story that meant something beyond ourselves, and yet there are probably some things in your life that you're doing right now that you just simply need to stop doing. So there's a story in the Bible in Exodus about a guy whose name is Moses. You might have heard of him before if you've been in church for a while. Even if you haven't been in church, you might have heard of this guy named Moses. He is one of the key players in the Bible, and there was a situation in his life early on when he was a leader where he had to stop doing some stuff. He had gotten a situation where he was the person who was going to lead God's people, the Israelites, out of captivity. They were in slavery in Egypt, and he was leading them out of slavery, and yet he was doing some poor leading. He was doing some stuff that he shouldn't be doing. So at some point, in the story where we're going to pick it up, Jethro, who is his father-in-law, comes to him and kind of speaks some truth into his life, the kind of truth that I'm trying to speak into your life today. And he challenges Moses. So here's what he says in Exodus chapter 18, beginning in verse 17. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who, who come to you will only wear themselves out. This work is too heavy for you, and you cannot handle it alone. So listen to me, and I'll give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and his instructions and show them the way they're to live and how they are to behave. But here comes the advice. But select capable men from all of the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens, and have them serve as judges for people all the time. So what was happening in this story is Moses was the leader, and all the problems that were coming up in this big caravan of people that were traveling through the desert, Moses was serving as the guy who judged, who settled all the disputes over all the things that were happening. He just simply had too much on his plate. So Jethro comes to him and says, look, it looks like you're about to burn out. You're doing too much. There are some things in your life that you need to stop. And his advice was, you need to stop being the guy who judges everything. And instead, put some things in your life in place so that other people can judge. And then the verse goes on, if you'll do that, Moses, you can let them judge the minor things or the medium-sized things but you can judge the larger things. So you still keep a position of control. But Moses, if you don't stop doing something, if you don't stop being the one who handles all of the problems, your life's not going to be the way you want it to be. Your life's not going to be the way God wants it to be. You've got to just simply stop doing what you're doing. Not so much because what you're doing is wrong, Moses, in this case, but because if you don't stop, you won't have capacity to do something that's even greater. The reality is a lot of us need to stop doing something, not because what we're doing is wrong, but because if you don't stop, you won't have the capacity to do something even greater. Sometimes the best answer in life you can give is no to something good so that you can say yes to something greater. That's just a truth in life. I've experienced that in my own life. I'm a pastor at this church It is my dream job. It's what I've always wanted to do, I think, long before I even knew I wanted to do it. It's the way God wired me up. 
A good thing to do as a pastor is to respond to people's needs. That's kind of what we do. We share the gospel. We help protect the flock. We help respond to people's needs within the congregation, sometimes even without. Well, in doing that, in doing this job that I love so much, that I feel like I was called to do, that I'm wired to do, that I love to do so much, it's easy to get your calendar out of whack. I found myself early on in this eight-year history of our church always saying yes to anyone else's calendar needs when they didn't necessarily line up well with what was a healthy calendar for me. So the way it would look a lot of times is I would be out four, five, six nights a week doing ministry stuff. All good stuff. It was rarely a waste of time. I had to discover over the last number of years that I needed to say no sometimes to being so busy, to doing some good stuff, to doing ministry, so that I could say yes to some greater things like spending time with my wife, spending time with my three kids who I love so much. And that really the actions of my life, the way I was living out my life in terms of my calendar and in terms of my money, wasn't lining up with even what were the values in my life because the reality is I love my wife and my kids more than I love my job. I love my wife and my kids more than I love this church or my call. God gave them to me to love so I could lead them. And yet the things I was doing with my life weren't lining up with my priorities, and I simply needed to find a way to stop doing what I was doing. Even if you can't relate on that ministry level, I bet you can relate with that reality. That if you would say no to some good things, you could probably say yes to some better things. So start thinking in your mind, what are some things that you need to begin saying no to Maybe no because they're just simply bad things. Maybe no because they're wrong things to do. Those are really good no's to have. But maybe it's simply a no because there's something better for you that you're missing out on if you don't say the no. So a couple reasons to stop on a real practical level as you're thinking. One of the reasons to stop doing certain things is because you don't know the future you're missing if you don't stop. The reality is you can get so busy in doing what you're doing, you can live life the way you're living it now, and if you don't ever stop and consider, place some decisions forward, and then maybe stop doing some of the activities that you're doing, you have no idea the future that God has for you. You have no idea the way you could live your life in a way that's far greater than you ever dreamed or imagined. You might want to consider stopping just so you can get a glimpse of what your future might be. That's reason enough to consider stopping. There's another reason to consider stopping, though, and this one, I think, is the one that we feel more internally. We feel this one emotionally. This is the one that really gets me when I consider how am I living my life and what am I spending my time doing? You might want to stop because until you stop, you don't always know the full ramifications of how it's going to cost you personally. The reality is we got to say no to some things in our lives. we got to stop doing some things in our lives because they cost us. They cost us. And a lot of times, the price we have to pay for that really isn't worth the activity that we're doing. So without being overly dramatic, let's just play forward a few things that a lot of us do in life, some of us do in life. Play it forward in a kind of dramatic sense, not to be, not to be overly uh, melodramatic or to incite fear or anything, but let's just, let's just be real for a second. I obviously like to eat unhealthy stuff. I told you about my oatmeal cream pies. Play that forward. I have a daughter who is seven years old now. She will get married one day, I hope. 
because I don't want to support her forever. And uh, I want to be there to walk her down the aisle. Given my family's history, I probably have on average, I'm going to live from 78 to 82 years old if all things go well. I hope she gets married before then. But either way, if I don't start considering the things I put in my body, the reality is I'm going to live a shorter life than I have to. There's a price to pay for eating poorly, right? Some of us smoke stuff. I'm not necessarily concerned with whether that's a sin or not. That's not even what I'm talking about now. But consider if you don't stop smoking as much uh, your cigarettes or your weed or your cigars or your crayons. I don't know what you smoke. But <laughs> there, there are ramifications to the things, that thing that you're doing, most likely. The reality is if you continue down that path and if you're heavily involved in that, you're probably cutting your life a little shorter than it has to be. That's just the odds playing out. I mean, think about your habits and what you do in your quiet time. The time when you're alone and no one else is watching and the time you spend on the internet. Play some of those decisions forward. Maybe you're just like an internet addict and you can't not be on the internet. I I might be like 40% there. I love the World Wide Web is what we used to call it, right? But think about that. Think about what it's costing you if most of your free time When you could be doing other things, you're on the web doing things. Maybe you spend your time looking at things like pornography that you, in a perfect world, wouldn't be looking at. Play those decisions forward. What if you took that same time that maybe you're just wasting and you directed it towards some future movement, some personal development, some time with God, some time with your family? Play the decision forward if you have a pornography issue. What's it going to look like when your wife finds out? And you have to have that difficult conversation. And she wants to know why you don't love her as much as she thought you did. Play the decisions forward around what you're doing with your life and some of the things that you might need to stop. The way you spend your money and how you don't even track it and you don't even know where it all goes. We talked about that a little bit last week in marriages. Play those decisions forward when you're 60 or 65 or 70 or 75, and you want to retire. You want to, you're old. You don't feel like working every day, and you want to spend some time just with family and with your kids and with your grandkids, and yet you haven't managed your spending well. You haven't said no to some things you really didn't need so that you could say yes to the future that you really, really want. The decisions you make today write your story for tomorrow. Your yeses and no are your tomorrow's chapter. And I want to challenge you that I think everyone in this room, including me, we have some no's that we need to say in our lives. And if you're a Jesus follower, I think that the decision on what to say no on might be even a little more challenging because this really isn't just behavior modification. This is lining your life up with the life that Jesus wants for you. It's just exactly what the Hebrews verse talked about. So, a couple of things to think through as you're pondering, what do you need to stop? What's the one thing you need to stop? A couple of categories to consider. One is, maybe you need to stop something externally. Maybe there's something you're doing that's kind of an external thing, um, again, to, to go back to the smoking thing, or the bad habit thing, or the addiction thing, or the hanging out with the wrong group of friends who's always making you do something that really, deep down inside, you don't want to do. Maybe you just need to stop doing some of that stuff. 
maybe the, the sex that you're having outside of marriage and you haven't taken time to think through the long-term ramifications of that and what it'll mean in your future relationships, either with that person or with another person who really isn't your spouse right now. Think through those things, but those are external things. Maybe there's something external in your life that you just need to start saying no to today. But then there are what I think are maybe even the harder things, the internal, internal things, the heart issues. My guess is if you're a little older, especially if you've been following Jesus maybe a little bit longer, there are probably some internal things that you might want to consider working on. Things like greed. Do you really just live life to see how much more you can get? Is it really just about money? Now, it's never just about money, but is it maybe, two, is it maybe like 80% about money? 80% about having the biggest house or the biggest car or making sure you have the right equipment so you can show it off to your friends? Maybe there's something internal you need to work on. Maybe you have anger issues. Maybe you have issues with the relationships in your life with your parents where there's some drama or some damage that happened there. Maybe there's some things you need to start saying no to that you need to stop doing and start doing instead, like forgiving. Stop holding grudges. Stop letting your past experiences dictate your future events. My challenge to you today is to come up with something that you might want to stop so that you can live the life that God has dreamed for you. So as you're thinking, I'm just going to share a few of the things that I've stopped doing in my life. This isn't to make me out to be great because the list of what I need to stop is still so much larger than what I have already stopped. But for me personally, I know one of the things I had to stop doing besides the time management thing that I already told you about is I, do, I did have to fight early on. I think I still have to fight a little bit of greed issues. For whatever reason, I've always had this sense that if I could achieve the right status level monetarily in life, people would look with more value at me. They would esteem me a little bit higher. I have to fight a little greed in my life. I have to fight laziness, if I'm completely honest with you. There's nothing I'd rather do than lay in my bed and watch a movie with my wife uh, in the world. I love it. It's a nice time together. We get to watch a movie, which I love. I love laying down and being asleep. Um, I can be lazy. I have to fight that. I just... I had to, about two years ago, have an honest conversation with myself and then with my wife and just say, I'm lazy, and I want you to help me not be so lazy. I'm not even sure that I can do this on my own. Another one for me is I had to stop holding grudges. I have a hard time forgiving. I have a hard time forgetting. Um, I have a hard time not holding against you when I feel like you've done something wrong to me, especially the closer it gets to the things I value, the more I want to hold a grudge. Something I've had to work on this year in particular, it's one of my New Year's resolutions, was to stop holding grudges and to forget quickly and to forgive easily the way that Jesus forgave me. Now, I don't know what you need to stop. Maybe you need to stop social media because, honestly, you spend more time tweeting than you do talking to your wife. Maybe you need to stop being a control freak. If everyone around you, you feel like it's your job to manage them and control them, you're a control freak. You might want to consider not being a control freak. Maybe you need to stop eating junk. Maybe you need to stop wasting time. Maybe you need to stop blaming God for your past when it really wasn't his fault anyway. It was just something that happened to you that was completely out of your control, or you just made some bad decisions and got yourself in a bad situation. What do you need to stop? Have an honest moment with yourself. What do you really need to stop? So what I'm asking you to do, if you're not a Jesus follower, is just consider a behavior modification 
because you would like your future chapters to look better than they currently do. At the end of your days, you would like to have a little, little bit better story than the life path that you're on right now. But if you are a Jesus follower, I want to challenge you to fix your eyes on Jesus. To let him be the author of your story, of your faith. And to let him right now, as he's probably already done, speak a little truth into your heart and into your life. And remind you of the thing that you should probably stop. My guess is that whatever it is you feel like you want to stop, it's probably something you've tried to stop before. So I have uh, one final piece of good news for you. It's not so much a practical one, and yet it's very true. And I want it just to be an encouragement to you. For those of you who have something you want to stop, and you've tried it before, and you just don't know what to do. We have Easter coming up. And the great thing about Easter, what, what makes it the most spectacular day in human history, is that a dead guy came back to life after three days. That's what Christians believe. It is the foundation of our faith. Here's what the Bible says, though. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, if you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, if you've made him your Savior and Lord. The same power that brought death to life is in you. You can stop. It won't be easy. You'll have slip-ups. You will regress. You will do it again. And you will have to remind yourselves that you meant to stop and you wanted to stop and forgive yourself and stop on another day again in the future. But that power that can bring death to life resides in you. You have the power to stop what you want to stop. So I want you to grab your Connect card and take a next uh, bold step together, if you would. So next bold step A. This one is for you if you're not a Jesus follower, and you might want to consider doing that today. The reality is the, the thing that you might need to say no to, the thing that you might need to stop, is you might need to stop just running from God. You might want to consider accepting Jesus as your Lord and your Savior for the very first time. If you'd like to do that, just simply mark next bold step A on your card. In a second, we're going to pray about that. And uh, from that moment in time, it's going to be like the single best decision you've ever made in your life. The sense of love and joy and freedom that you're going to experience is going to be second to none. But some of you just need to stop running, stop doing what your friends do, stop being afraid, and start accepting the love that Jesus has for you. If that's you, just mark next bold step A. Next bold step B is all about baptisms. Next week we have baptism, again, even though we just had one. We have a person that wants to be baptized in our congregation. And so if you'd like to be baptized, mark that on your card. Let us get in contact with you. Even if next week doesn't work for you, we can look at some future dates as well. But this one's for you if you need to stop being ashamed. Honestly, I think that's a lot of us at Four Corners. We have a church of a lot of new believers, people who are kind of coming back to faith for the first time. Maybe they grew up that way. And some people who simply have been far from God for a long time. Going public with your faith is a a strong decision in your life. Don't be afraid. Stop letting fear control you. Mark that card. Get up here in front of everyone. Get dunked under the water. Let us celebrate and cheer with you and go public with your faith. Let us be a community together that celebrates the decision that you've already made. All right, next bold step C. This is the one that really we're up here for. This is the one that's all about the message today. I just want you to indicate if you know the one thing you need to stop. You don't have to write down what it is. I know for most of you it's a very personal thing. But if you know what you need to stop, mark next bold step C. And what's going to happen is myself, 
and the rest of the staff are going to pray for you this week that God would just simply give you boldness to live out the decision to stop doing the thing that you feel like is making you write the wrong future story for you. Now, I have two more, and these are related more to Easter than they are directly with what I talked about today. But like I said, Easter's coming up. It's only four Sundays away. And the reality is, I have people in my life, you have people in your life who are far from God. Either they don't have a relationship with Jesus or they used to and it's not really active. So I want to know if you'd be willing to pray about who God would have you invite to be here on Easter. What they're going to experience is Good Four Corners Church, terrific band, the best in the city, um, some terrific uh, refreshments out in the lobby. I think they're going to be green since it's green Easter. I don't know what all is going to be green, but the whole place might be painted green maybe. I don't know. But I want you to consider if maybe there's someone in your life who needs to hear the story of Jesus. That's what they'll hear from Pastor Ben on that day is the clear presentation of the gospel story. So maybe there's someone you know who you need to invite and you need to stop being afraid to make the ask. If that's you, just mark that. We're going to pray for you that God will reveal to you who it is you need to invite. And then the final one is um, different. This is for you if you want to participate. I wish everyone would. Um, I know that's not a reality. I know everyone's not in the same place. But we would love to do a gigantic mailer over the next two weeks to all of our new neighbors in this new facility, Liberty, uh, the, the, this end of Mason, to Fairfield Township, and to the, the, I don't know if it's the west side of Westchester, I guess it is. We want to do a mailing, but the reality is we're out of money. We've only been in this facility for a few weeks. We're still paying off a few of the final bills for this thing. And all we want to do, we can't do. And some of you have a passion for evangelism. You just don't know it, but your passion is helping fund evangelism. That's all I'm asking you to do. If you can afford a little extra money, we could use it. It's going to take us somewhere between 75 cents and 80 cents a piece of mail to send it out. We'd like to do about 10,000. So we need about 8,000 bucks. We have about 2,000. So whether anyone gives anything or not, we're going to send 2,000, ask God to bless it. But we'd like to do more simply because we know there are lost people in the area who need Jesus, and we want to invite them to be here at that big facility they see when they're driving up north on 75 every week with the bright lights. We want to tell them we're here and invite them to be here on Easter. So if that's you, mark that box and consider supporting that. And again, if you can't, if you're strapped, if there's no way you can make that sacrifice, no guilt, no shame. It's perfectly okay. Let's pray, and then we're going to sing one last song. God, thank you so much that you love us and that you are not finished with us yet. God, thank you that our future stories are yet to be written. And that's good news. God, this week, as we try to put into practice the discipline of stopping whatever it is that you laid on our hearts, I ask that you give us boldness to do that, to actually live out what we know you want us to live out. Whether it's just simple behavior modification because it's just not healthy for us, or maybe it's a fix your eyes on Jesus kind of thing. God, give us the boldness to do that and the faith and the trust in you that you'll see us through. God, for everyone who marked next bold step A, I just want to say thank you. Thank you that you use this church and the simple people in it to share your gospel every single week and invite people to be in relationship with you. God, this week as we go into our jobs and our schools or we stay at home, whatever it is we do, 
Help us to put you first. Help us to follow your lead in our lives. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.